Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We're going to talk today about the changing landscape for lithium, American uh, lithium and plata energy metals coming together. We managed to get uh, two representatives, uh, Simon Clark from American Lithium and Lawrence Stefan from Plata Energy Metals. We talked through why they're doing it, what the problems could be, um, how the money is going to work, who's taking the lead, what are they going to focus on, all that kind of good stuff. So if you want our thoughts and opinions on what we discussed today in great detail, uh, including some technical details, which is actually fascinating, um, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. We can also find detailed company reports and analysis. Uh, there's commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of commodities, including lithium uh, and, and companies. Uh, Absolutely fascinating. Plus, there are summaries of other interviews that we've done just to save you some time. Plus, diligence uh, shortening processes like training courses. Uh, we also have a wonderful audience of investors on there sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, friendly, safe environment, free from trolling and abuse. And if that sounds nice to you, do you go and join them at cruxinvestor.com. Gentlemen, how are we? Very good, thanks, Matthew. Very good, thank you. Thank you, Matthew. Okay, we, we, we've got uh, two people joining us today. So we've got Simon Clark, who I know from from, from old, and uh, we've got Lawrence Stefan as well. Uh, welcome aboard. Thank you. Thank you. Right, okay, here we go. So we, we this this complicated. So I'm going to kind of maybe be a bit more directional, kind of point, point at you both. And uh, why don't we start off and give us a one-minute uh, overview of each of your businesses. So uh, Lawrence, if I may start with you, why don't you do that, please? Plateau Energy Metals has a long history in South America. It started in 2007 when we listed it on TSX. Then we have secondary listing on Frankfurt Stock Exchange and OTC in, uh, in New York. We started as a uranium-based company, and we discovered early in our life that actually there is plenty of lithium on what we call the Makusani Plateau. Over the years, we've been able to evaluate uh, around 124 million pounds of uh, yellow cake in the ground in the Andes, high in the Andes at Makosani, which is probably one of the largest undeveloped uranium jurisdiction in the world. And then uh, we published the first um, uranium uh, lithium resource sorry, around our uranium deposits in 2015. Then we were looking at the source after Fukushima uranium collapse, so definitely we had to keep ourselves busy. And we realized that the amount of uh, lithium available on the Makusani Plateau, I'm talking about a huge rhyolitic province, you know, one of the most acidic volcanic rocks that erupted to surface that brings a lot of uranium and in some specific uh, conditions also lithium. And we realized that actually on an area of about 80 kilometers long by 45 kilometers wide, the potential to find uh, primary sources of lithium are, are enormous. And in 2017, after a lot of very smart uh, geochemistry and mapping and a lot of other things that geology, geologists do, we've been able to identify the source of the Falciani, what would become Falciani tooth, which is actually probably a very unusual form of uh, lithium occurrence because it's not a brine, it's not a spodium, and it's not a mica, it's what we call volcanic glasses. Okay. Um, and then you've also, um, so you've got uranium, you've got lithium. Uh, let's get, we'll, and we'll come back to, come back to that because there are a lot of questions for you. Uh, Simon, give us the overview of American lithium, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. Um, so American lithium was set up several years back, really focused on lithium, as the name would suggest, in America, um, and specifically Nevada. Um, it was sort of at the time there was a lot of, 
news on the brines, not only in South America, lithium brines, but also also the potential in the U.S. with Albemarle and others in in the Clayton Valley. And so, initially, the the company focused on assets on the bride side, brine side of things near to Clayton Valley, good proximity, very interesting. Um, those assets did not pan out. Um, you know, the, the company did a fair amount of work on them, but as as it moved along, it managed to uh, put together a really interesting package further north in, in Nevada, near a town called Tonopah, um, and put together a large land package of sedimentary claystones, which is, if, if you like, and Lawrence will probably shoot me for this description, it's somewhere between the um, brines and, and hard rock, which have been the traditional sources of lithium in the world. Um, so uh, if you like a new, a, a new type of, of, uh, of how lithium has been hosted and you've seen in recent years, um, you know, lithium Americas with their Thacker pass, um, similar, similar geology, um, and also Cyprus and other companies in Nevada, looking at those at, um, potential, uh, properties and, and looking what's the best way to recover from those huge potential, but, um, the big the big question mark has always been: Can you actually process the the sedimentary claystones and uh, and and recover, you know, battery grade lithium? And so, that's really what we've been focused on doing over the last several years. And I think for American lithium, the differentiator that that we found is our assets, our lithium is is very close to surface. Um, we were able to put together a large, uh, measured and indicated and inferred resource. And now a lot of our focus is, uh, is proving we can process the lithium. Um, and the work we've done to date would suggest very much, yes, we can process it effectively, low cost and in a fast time frame. And obviously what we're now doing is further work to validate that. Right, okay, Th- thanks for that. Right, we're here today and, I, and a lot of the questions that have come in today are around this proposed merger. It's not a merger of equals though. So I want to understand where where it's come from and and and, this, and the structure of it because you know you're sitting at 430 million market cap today, uh, Simon American Lithium, and obviously Plateau Energy and Metals is sitting around 80 million. But you both you both had the bump, as it were, over the last three months of a very positive lithium environment. Prices across the board are, are uh, going up. There there have been you know exceptional gains there. Um, when did this conversation start? And who started it? Well, uh, it, well, we started looking in December. Um, you know, we were looking at other projects. Um, you know, we, we felt it was the time and the cycle to add, you know, another quality asset um, and uh, and to bulk, bulk up. So we started looking in December and we moved very quickly into, into having conversations. Um, those conversations moved quickly. And I think... Both sides took the view that, you know, one plus one in this case could well equal five. Um, for us, for us, I mean, our view on Plateau is it's very undervalued in the lithium world. And as, as, as Lawrence said, you know, obviously with the uranium side of things, that may, uh, way, may well explain why their stock price was, you know, lower than perhaps it should be. Um, and, um, and then Falchani, we see as a, as a huge potential on the on on the lithium side, a great asset. Um, there are some similarities, and again, I'll, I'll let Lawrence explain between you, you know the geology of both. 
of our projects and what we're trying to do on the recovery side. So that made sense. But, you know, we saw an undervalued company, certainly compared to us, with three key assets, you know, Falchani on the lithium side, um, Makassani on the uranium side, which, you know, you know, we're a lithium company. So ultimately, ultimately, uh, we will likely do something with that asset um, and, you know, which might involve moving it out of the company, but we think we can recognize real value in that process. Um, and again, I can let Lawrence explain a little bit more about that, that asset, but it is, it's, it's a very interesting asset with lots of ability to create value for the combined company going forward, even though, as I say, we're very much focused on the lithium side. And then the third asset, as far as we were concerned, was Lawrence and his technical team, um, who we think can add real value, not only on, on their existing assets, but with what we're doing in, in Nevada. So, you know, for us, we saw it as a great asset, a, 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 a great opportunity to really make a material acquisition. Um, and, you know, although the valuations are significantly different, you know, we think this a combination uh, together will be, you know, really accretive going forward. Okay. So we, we're, we were very excited. There you go, Lawrence, you're an asset. It's good news. Um, wow, very you. nice words. What can I say? Thank you very much, Simon. I know. Thank you. Appreciate it. American sure. Lithium. So tell us, uh, given, given you're the technical asset here, um, talk to us about the similarities between the two uh, lithium projects. Are there any? There are. But before I start with that, I will say something else, because this is something that confused many people. And this is probably a reason, not the only one, explaining the, the huge difference in valuations between the, the market cap of the two corporations. Uh, many people ask us, look, is will lithium contaminate uranium? Which I think it's a bit of, I prefer not to comment what type of question that one is, but look, will uranium contaminate lithium? That's a question that I do understand and probably not only me, but a lot of people that will have access to your uh, program. So the question is very clearly not. So look, first of all, they are on the same plateau, but we started telling you this is an area where try to imagine a huge rectangular. The erosion plays funny games, especially in the Andes at 5,000 meters above sea level. And uh, as a result, you know, try to imagine a huge rectangular. And uh, those two deposits, or call it area of influence, we have the uranium deposits on the eastern part of the plateau and 25 kilometers, 25 kilometers. That's a huge distance, you know, for any type of contamination that may occur, <laughs> we have the uranium assets. And then we have a second target about seven kilometers to the west and another one about 20. So we're looking at an area which is metallogenically distinct. You know, the eastern one, it's uranium rich and a bit of lithium. That means nothing at the end of the day. While the western side, I would, I would say uranium poor people will get confused. There is no uranium and it's most lithium. Lithium all over and a lot of other interesting things that we can discuss. So actually, in terms of the danger of contaminating the two products now, in terms of different, there will be different processing routes. There will be probably even different companies, as Simon says, because it makes all the sense of the world as we consolidated South American assets and North American assets in the lithium company to actually to spin out somehow at some stage uranium, uh, the uranium deposits, because there are, we have four PAs that we run, pre, uh, preliminary economic assessments on those uranium deposits. So as a result, we see it two different businesses, you know. However, as we progress, technical about the talking about the technical aspect, uh, we've been able to understand more 
not only about uranium, but other elements associated with, uh, with it, you know. And we discovered that the eastern part of the plateau is very much concentrated on heavy elements. You know, uranium, it's a very heavy metal. While at the eastern side, because of the way, the western side, because of the way how the geological differentiation formed those rocks. And I didn't want, I do not want to become very technical. Try to imagine somewhere deep, about 20 kilometers down in our, in the crust, in the earth crust, a magmatic chamber was getting more and more enriched in light volatiles. Try to imagine the first group of elements, you know, things like sodium, potassium, lithium, starting the, the, the lightest, rubidium, cesium. This is what's happening on the Western side of the plateau, a huge concentration of elements from the first group of elements, you know. So as a result, lithium is definitely in excess and it was able to form what we call an economic uh, concentration. Uh, Falciani is the only area that we drilled. There are three different targets. Falciani is one of them. We drilled probably about 75% uh, of it and we have 4.7 million tons of lithium carbonate equivalent. Further to this, there is another area that we called uh, Kelkaya village, which will probably start drilling very soon and will publish some results uh, uh, very soon on our uh, news releases. And then further to the west, there is probably the largest one, which is untouched. We have cliffs of lithium rich rocks 100, 400 meters high. So we do believe the, the amount of, I cannot put numbers, but they are huge. They will, be, they will make Falciani much smaller than what it is at present. So we do believe that the potential for economic lithium concentration at Makusani on the Western side are huge. Now, look, what are we an asset in terms of technicalities? Probably we are, and it's probably not, not nice to talk about yourselves and what you achieved in life. But look, once, once we discover Falciani, we didn't know what it was because it's definitely not a brine. It's not a spodumene. It's not a white mica. It's not the clays that people talk, you know, like Simon said, uh, clay stones, which is a concentration of the elite group of minerals. And they form an extreme member, which is called hectorite. Hectorite is what we call, it's a different mineral. It's a lithium rich elite that becomes a different mineralogical species, but it's not so simple to, 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 to concentrate. So the problem that we had at Falchan, we discovered, okay, we have accumulations of lithium, yes, up to 5,000 ppm on surface, which is well above 1% lithium oxide. So we move into spodium in grades, but that, how are we going to, to process it? How are we going to extract, how are we going to recover lithium? So it became an issue. And we tried to look left, right. Nobody knew because Falchami is unique and many people said, well, it's unique, so it will be complicated. But what we realized very early in our stage, so we had to reinvent the wheel. By doing that, we had to apply everything that is known for about lithium extraction and recoveries in brines, in spodumines, in lithium-rich micas and in clays. And we realized one thing, what other type of energy one applies against the Falchani volcanic tooth, whether it's mechanical, chemical, thermic, thermal, temperature, lithium is extracted. So we've been faced with something that probably none of the other lithium deposits they have, that they have very specific. We can process this one as a brine, as a spodumene, as a mica, it will leach, which was, wow, this was, that was a wonderful problem to have because, and then for us, it was just to optimize. And by doing that, we had to have a deep understanding not only where the way lithium is extracting from a, a spodumene or a brine or a mica, but all of them together. So as a result, we've been able to develop this unique set of skills, allowing us to understand lithium as a whole. So immediately when in December we've been faced 
with a possibility to do a deal with uh, with uh, American lithium, we said probably that's the way because we, we can apply all our good technical advantage that we've been able to develop over time for American lithium. And it's true, they are very skilled in terms of marketing and fundraising financiers, while we are very good on the technical side. So as a result, we thought that we already made some suggestion what to do in terms of improving uh, and the extraction and the, the final recovery numbers uh, at, for lithium at, uh, at Tonopah, which is their main asset in Nevada. So as a result, although we'll probably be in the junior one, we'd like to believe that our expertise will allow us to develop Tonopah much faster. Because also Tonopah is very unique. If you look at the Nevada trend, not all the deposits are are, are identical, but they have an, and I'd like to talk about that very shortly because it's very important. You know, most of the lithium deposits, you have to leach them. Usually it's an acid or an al al alkalis, alkaline basis, things like that. And usually that leaching time takes hours, sometimes days, okay? Where you have to have very high temperatures, podium in 1,050 degrees, hectorite, 1,400 degrees, you know? In Nevada, we can apply some type of thermal exercise but the leaching time is unheard of, 10 minutes. I can tell you there is no other asset anywhere in the world that you can leach it in 10 minutes. So it's something absolutely unique about Tonopah that will make it probably make relatively easy applying all the technical knowledge that we've been able to develop over time in South America to extract lithium on a very economic and fast and cheap, reliable way in Nevada. I'll put you down for a yes on that. There is, there is some technical similarities that you're going to be able to help Tonopah extract the value there, okay? But let me, let me stay with you if I may, Lawrence, okay? Because I think the, the, the coming together of these two companies, I can see the technical benefits, and we'll stick with the lithium for now, okay? It's great. But you guys, up until two, three months ago, were a $40 million company. It's been a kind of painful two or three years for you guys in country, partly for, for a couple of reasons, right? Partly because the lithium project requires such a lot of capex. And it was it's difficult in an environment like that with the market cap that you guys had to actually even contemplate being able to have conversations about that level of uh, market cap, right? Where about 550, 580 capex. And the second component, obviously, with the uranium element, and I do want to take your point, Simon, that that's potentially be quite a good thing to spin it out or, or do something with it so it doesn't so it doesn't dilute the message uh, is around permitting. So does this new potential joint venture mean that you get to reset the clock in country around permitting or do you still have to be jumping over the same hurdles to kind of deal with the uranium component? Now, there are two different, the law is very different, you know. So look, again, I would like to give you a very sweet and short answer, but it's not possible. One of the reasons that actually we've been so undervalued, it was because after Fukushima, the market didn't give us too much value for the uranium assets. So we had to reinvent ourselves. Then we had another problem. We've been accused that actually we reinvented ourselves because uranium doesn't perform. We try to, 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 to refocus on something that doesn't exist and lithium was a fake. The reason was because there was no lithium in Peru to start with. Although we explained to the markets many years before, guys, there is lithium. Not only that, we have a resource. So help us to understand it, but nobody paid attention. So when we move from a small resource of 150 million tons of lithium carbonate equivalent somewhere on the plateau to almost 5 million tons, people said, oh, is that real? Maybe it's not real. And we demonstrated to everybody. We made, so in Peru, 
we had to, to go along a very, very risky, I would say, and probably very uh, steep learning curve because we have to explain to everybody universities, chamber of mines, mining college, everybody, because they said, no, there is no lithium in Peru. But they said, guys, you said the same thing uh, 20 years ago about uranium. So look, we created history. And by doing that, some people embrace history, other people are resistant to us. So the combination was people said, well, look, we do not know. It's a permitting issue and everything. The reality is completely different. For uranium, the permitting needs some adjustment. But Peru, it's a member of IEA, so I see no problem with that one at all. And actually, we should have probably done it a bit faster, but we've been somehow, uh, we focused more on the lithium side. But for lithium, lithium is considered a non-metal. So as a result, if for a, a simple one, for an environmental impact assessment study, you need probably 12 to 18 months for uranium and probably another one year for building. For lithium, you can do it in anything between four to six months because it's considered a non-metal. So as a result, for us, a completely different jurisprudence under the Minister of Energy and Mines. So to be honest, I do, I do not see any problem. If we decide, guys, look, we'd like to simply start mining Falchani in 2023, it will be properly capitalized. I see no problems with that. Okay. In terms of regulatories and the approvals and the rest, it will go very, very fast. Okay, Simon, you being through a diligence process, you're putting it out to shareholders now. So some of the concerns are probably some of the topics we've discussed now. With regards to the uranium specifically, we will have got lots of time to talk about lithium because there seem to be some great, great uh, symbiotic uh, components there. With regards to uranium, in terms of your discussions at your board, what are the options on the the, the, the the practical options on the table given the kind of constraints in country at the moment in t around, well certainly around timing and perhaps you know how you value that yeah i mean matthew it's a good it's a good question and obviously we are very focused on the nevada assets um as as uh, lawrence has mentioned because of the unique characteristics as you know um yeah, lithium is a critical mineral in the state so having a massive asset close to where Tesla's building their gigafactory at a time of, you know, concerns about the domestic supply of um, battery metals in particular and other critical minerals, you know, a, a huge strategic asset to have. And, you know, I think that's been reflected. We have a lot of U.S. shareholders. Our name obviously helps with that. And that's obviously seen a lot of interest in our, in our stock. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, Falchani is really the main reason that we're we're focused on Plateau and Peru and, you know, the ability to, to as, as, as Lawrence said, potentially move that up the development scale very quickly. It's further ahead um, if you look at the pure development timeframe than, than, than TLC. So, you know, that, that as a combo going forward, we think is, is, is fantastic. But, uh, you know, when we looked at the company, it's, yeah, there's this uranium asset and, you know, on the face of it, you could look at it and say, well, you know, where's obviously that isn't necessarily a fit with a company focused on lithium in the Americas and being a diversified developer and ultimately producer. Um, but, you know, it's part of the energy complex. We actually, you know, a number of us have been in the energy tech world and the, the battery metals world. You know, uranium is a huge potential piece, we believe, going forward on on that whole uh, creation of electricity to 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 run what you're going to need in terms of you know the infrastructure for the electrification of uh, transportation globally etc so there is obviously a fit there um, but we recognize long term um, 
it likely distracts from you know what we're doing on the lithium side um but we think there's tremendous value again again for what lawrence has said so we've only ever seen it as an asset we think you know it makes sense to bring the asset in you know lawrence has done some great work on it lawrence and his team and you know we will continue to to evolve the asset to the point where we think it we will maximize value by spinning it out doing a dividend you know making a, a sale but it's it's very much going to be at the right time and under the right circumstance for us to maximize value i mean everyone is starting to talk about the uranium um, complex being back in favor and uranium going into a deficit later this year next year um so but we're in no rush you know we we see it as a great asset and we're going to make sure that we maximize the value and i think i think lawrence is you know very much in favor of that it's not something we're going to rush into and spin it out right away because we think there's significant additional value we can create as we move towards you know whatever transaction we decide makes the most sense okay so there's no rush you're right it's a i think like lithium the uranium market has seen a, a bit of a spike over the past three months despite very little movement in the spot price uh, and very little contracting action i think people are expecting something later later this year so the i guess resolution around the rsa the uranium reserve uh fund um section 232 going away people are excited about uranium again going forward but how much value did you put on it for this transaction in terms of like a dollar number or a percentage of the transaction as a whole yeah i i i i mean i think for us you know obviously lithium was at the top um the technical expertise that the company has developed as it's looked to unlock the lithium is i mean lawrence gave a great description there of the plateau and and how everything is hosted and the challenges they had um and you know as we look to optimize tlc a lot of what they learned is going to really help that process as well so you know if i if i look at it it's it's hard to give a specific number and i don't want to you know necessarily say it's it's worth x or y but um you know it, it, it for us it's very much about lithium it's very much about the team it's very much we really like peru as a jurisdiction you know it's it's ranked as one of the best emerging markets in the world it's very mining focused they're very pro mining it's a huge part of their gdp and their and their exports um and it's it it gives us an america's lithium platform so Uh, yeah i i mean obviously we think there's value in uranium and you know we will maximize that value and we think there's significant value that we can bring in for the benefit of 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 shareholders of the combined company as we go forward so definitely a material part of our thinking but not the driver on its own for sure i mean this is very much about a, creating a america's lithium platform which is you know geographic geological diversity but a lot of similarities and a lot of technical experience that will really help our process um as we go forward okay so right now the uranium assets in bronze place position um one question around the technical component which is which is Lawrence and and his team i mean how successful had american lithium been with regards to claystone because it's a very little understood uh aspect of lithium people as you said Hardstone understand tech. Brian's understand tech. Somewhere in the middle is a DLE uh there's a whole bunch of vocabulary 
which um, is not understood by the marketplace. It's very confusing. But how far had your team got technically technically towards solving this problem? Or did you need to find someone like Lawrence to kind of solve your problems? Well, well um, I mean, if you look at it, we would have we would get there. I mean, there's been a lot of good work done. I mean, I don't, I don't want you to go away thinking that we don't have technical capacity in American lithium because clearly we do. I mean, we've moved from a brine, um, which we, which we were very diligent on, looked at, does this work? Does this make sense? And then we've moved into, in, into the claystones and we've done some fantastic work. It's, you know, in Nevada, you have to have your water supply, um, locked up early on we've done that we've 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 looked at the major environmental side of it there's no concerns there um and we we've advanced the uh, metallurgy the processing on it um as, as lawrence said we've been able to show you know under laboratory conditions that we can separate the lithium in 10 minutes which is highly unique so we've made a lot of great leaps forward um but I think, you know, in terms of what Lawrence and his team can do, they can really help us drive that process faster and more efficiently with what they've learned, you know, in, in Peru and, 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 and with their backgrounds. So, you know, we, we didn't go out thinking we want to necessarily bring in a technical team. That wasn't what drove the merger in itself. But as we started into discussions, we, we you know, we recognized the work they've done and they've done phenomenal work and the understanding and, and depth they'll bring us. I mean, in American lithium, we use a lot of very high level consultants who have been very, very helpful on the technical side. It will be good to bring a lot of that expertise in house um, by adding Lawrence and his team. Okay. Brilliant. Okay. So I spoke, asked Simon what he's getting out of it. So let me ask you what you're getting out. So I remind people, like, so three months ago, 40 million market cap today, 80 million market cap, you know, until this transaction goes ahead, it's, you're still a small company, right? So yes, we are. they're good at marketing. They've got a good following. They're probably more capable than you of getting cheaper money. So is that what they're bringing to the table for you? Or is it bigger than that? Look, I like to start with a joke because I don't want to compliment Simon too much because he'll probably it's, it's, it's bad. We are still in a due diligence. Do not forget that we haven't finished it yet. You're not married so, yet. No ring. There's no ring. <laughs> no, 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 not yet. Well, independently, yes, we are. He hasn't so, even bought uh, me any wine yet. <laughs> I have to. I have to. We will we'll talk a lot. We have very interesting discussions about wine, by the way. Maybe we can use it for leaching, you know. So, uh, look. At the Fukushima, Fukushima time in 2011, when uranium was a very hot commodity, was probably sold anything between 65 to $85 a pound. Uh, so for almost three times more than today. The company, Plateau Energy Metals, it was called Makusan Yellow Cake, and we had a market cap of $124 million. And we had a resource of 10 million pounds of U308 uh, in, in the ground and no lithium. Why? Because uranium was a hot commodity. I can tell you between us, there is no way that you can develop an uranium sustainable mine with 10 million pounds. That's nothing. You need 30, 40, 50 to do it properly. So, but we had a huge market cap. Today, we have 124 million pounds of uranium in the ground, and I like those numbers. And we had a market cap before the deal with American lithium was announced of probably about, uh, I would say, 30, somewhere like that. So you can imagine, and we have a fantastic uranium asset 
the fifth of the six largest undeveloped in the world. And it's funny enough, on the on the lithium is exactly the same. The 4.7 million tons of lithium carbonate equivalent qualify of being the fifth of the sixth largest lith undeveloped lithium deposit in the world. So definitely we struggled. We struggled and you say, look, we have two fantastic assets, but if you don't develop it, what shall we do? So we realized that actually doing the deal with American lithium will probably be able to enlarge the shareholder base, not only so much. At the moment, it's very Canadian-based. Nothing wrong with that. We have some some uh, some uh, funds in Europe and uh, and in uh, Indonesia, but they are mostly, or not all of them, but mostly uranium-based. So we have followers on both sides. But in principle, we we had a big, large component in the United States. You know, and being United States, the country that hopefully will probably be under the new administration at the flagship of moving. Uh, North America into this green revolution, we call it these days. We thought that probably that's the, that's the way to go because it will give us an access to a shareholding basis that actually will provide us with easier, faster, cheaper capital. And American Lithium demonstrated very well, very well, at least in the last year, that they are able to control that part of the, of the business. And this is what we needed. We needed actually a very stable base somewhere in North America, allowing us to have easy access to capital and actually to be a comp complement for our, for our uh, technical team. Look, I'm not saying, we, you will understand probably at the end of this interview that we are only technical and American lithium, they are only financiers, definitely not. We, we definitely overlap skills, we have strengths, but I do believe, as Simon said at the beginning, it's not one of those things where one plus one is three. It's actually one plus one. One plus one, it's actually five, if not more. And uh, at the end of the day, we'll produce the, the, the enlarged company will have probably a resource based only lithium. We talk only lithium of close to 12 million tons of lithium carbon, carbonate equivalent, which makes it probably the junior with the largest lithium resources. And put it that way, it will probably be producing lithium in South and North America for the Americas, you know? So it will be on the same time zone. All those things are extremely important, allowing us to focus. Nevada, it's a top mining jurisdiction. Peru, it's a top mining jurisdiction. So the marriage makes sense. Yes, we've been Cinderella. Probably it's not a nice word to use, although nothing wrong being Cinderella. But actually we probably be able, at the end of the day, Cinderella becomes the princess. So actually let's look at the bright side at the end of the story, not at the beginning. <laughs> I'm convinced it makes sense for everybody. Right, okay. Well, well, I wonder how many other Cinderellas are out there without going down a Mormon track here, because <laughs> there's a bit of consolidation that could happen uh, in the marketplace. Yes. Obviously lithium's on the up. You're good deal makers. There's a few other single ladies out there. So um, are you going to put a few more rings on them? Simon. Well, Matt, you know, I mean, we looked at a, we looked at a lot of other stuff. Um, you know, I mean, as I said, we recognize what you said, that there will be consolidation. Um, we, you know, obviously having a more diverse portfolio always helps. Um, and, you know, we've looked at a lot of other uh, assets. And so, you know, we really like this one. I, I wouldn't say never, but uh, you know, I mean, we we have um, we have our plates full. Um, these are two fabulous assets in their own right, with really unique characteristics that really I, I, I think can 
can bring on a, a really meaningful supply of lithium in a, in, in a relatively fast time frame, as, as Lawrence has alluded. So, you know, bedding this down and bringing two together, it, it, you know, it, it, it's a very big asset base that we have. So, there, you know, there isn't a need to go out and look for other, you know, d deposits. If, um, if it makes sense along the way and something comes up, then you obviously always look at it. But, um, you know, I think, uh, as Lawrence said, we really do see this as one plus one equals five. And w w we're not going to be out actively looking for other assets to bring into the mix right. at this time. I, I only ask that because, you know, in your PowerPoint, you, you talk about a pro forma, pro forma positioning with regards to market cap. And you put yourself through in Lionstown and AVZ, which is, you know, not not, not bad uh, place to be. But I wondered how much of this is going to be an M&A program or how much is going to be focused, which is, you know, delivers value into the market, but and how much is it going to be about getting into production and being a meaningful producer? So fundamentals versus promotion in, in a way. So what's your answer to that? Yeah, I, I, I mean, very much fundamentals. I mean, I think, you know, I think the two run together. I mean, you you build a company um, to develop and then and and then produce and then along the way you see what makes the most sense to maximize shareholder value um, and you, you know you're quite right as we move through this industry you know there's a lot of lithium in the world as I'm sure you're aware but there's not a lot of lithium in the world that you can extract commercially um, and and bring into the mix and so when you have two of the you know of the largest assets around coming under one platform you've really got to focus on the development and and uh, and and moving it up the up the chain um and that will create a lot of news flow as we go along the way so you know there is going to be a lot of opportunity to market and you know continue to promote the company using promote in the in in the right sense um and 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 really we believe build value so so yeah i mean a bit of a long-winded answer matthew but um we think we have the asset base we think we've got the team um and we think we can really uh, bring on lots of milestones lots of news flow and really take this to the next level right and how much cash will you be sitting on after this transaction because you've now got a lot of assets and in a way, you could say a lot of liabilities because you're going to have to start spending some cash. So how do you go out to market and ask for more, more money? Are you going to do this yourself? Or are you talking, going to need to start talking to strategic partners or at least understand the lay of the land before you uh, before you can do that? You, you know, I mean, we have, a as, as Lawrence said, we have a very, very supportive shareholder base. I think the combined cash um, of the two companies, when we when we started this transaction was, you know, around $6 million. Um, but uh, we have a lot of um, warrants and dilutives which are in the money and we've started to see those come in. So we're in, we're in the rush. I think beyond that, more importantly, we have a very supportive shareholder base. We have lots of interest in the company and, you know, when it makes, we're not, we're not desperate for cash um, and we're not rushing to get cash, but you know, when the, right opportunity comes along you know we believe we can add significant capital to the treasury which we have um you know we have very big plans for all the assets and um you know we definitely have the following and the and the shareholder base to to be able to fund that as as we need going forward so you know we're very 
I mean, you don't want to be complacent or overconfident, but you, you know, the capital markets side, I think, uh, is 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 very well positioned for this company going forward. Okay, and again, Simon, just one more question, if you don't mind, is you're going to? You, I think your timing is you, you expect to get this uh, transaction completed in Q2. All things being equal, and all things being well, um, between now and then, is that a bit of a distraction technically in terms of moving both projects forward for you? Um, or are you able to manage both at the same time? No, we're, you, you know, we can manage both. I mean, I think there's a really good um, team growing between both of us. And, you know, we're very much approaching this. We're not waiting until until May, you know, when the, we're officially married. We're, um, you know, we're getting on with things now. And Lawrence has been great. He's, he's getting fully in, engaged in our technical meetings on, uh, on Tonopah. And, you know, we're obviously fully discussing, you know, what we're going to do with Falchani and Makassani. So, you know, it's uh, we're we're hitting the ground running um, and, you, you know, we believe it's a very compelling fit and uh, we're going to leverage that right away. Beautiful. OK. And Lawrence, if I just finish with you, just a slightly more technical uh, answer, I, I suspect, which would be you, you mentioned Hectorite earlier and you've obviously had a look at What's what's going on at TLC? Um, do you think you're going to be able to get the kind of recovery rates um, that I think the market's going to expect on on, on both assets? Um, you know, when, when and how much work is going to be required from you before you can actually start putting some numbers into the market and just you know how well um, your solutions are working outside well, of the lab? That's very complicated. About. Yeah, yeah, no, sure, sure. That's very complicated. You know, I'll try to to shorten the the answer as as much as possible. So. Our understanding, and again, it may change. Uh, American Lithium was very kind, Simon in particular, and to, to allow me to have access to their technical data. And actually, I don't know what, if the, this marriage will not continue. I know too much about their, their, their so we have to, <laughs> to have a happy ending. Otherwise, it would be too, too dangerous. I know too many things about their deposit, but we, we are convinced that actually everything will, will work very well. So I had the ch a chance to 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 know most of the people involved in the business, not only on the on the financing and admin part of it, but also mostly on the technical side. So because, and the reality is that it's a low grade asset. Uh, we may find probably some pockets of higher grade uh, mineralization, lithium mineralization at uh, at Donabar, but it will not be spodium in grades, you know. So it will be still a clay grade on higher on on a higher side. Uh, I do believe at present that it's not hectorite. So, but because hectorite will not liberate lithium at 80 degrees and uh, with a relatively medium to high concentration of acid, it's, it's impossible. You have to push it. Either you have to change the nature of the leaching, but then you get involved in other things, or you have to, to follow the route to 1400 degrees calcination, make it a porcelain, you know, a cup, a kick up of very low quality, and then you break it. And the moment when you do the quenching, actually extract, you start extracting the goodies. In our case, lithium. Now it's not a hectorite, and not being hectorite, it will probably be much easier to extract. And we know that leaching, leaching is not a problem. American lithium, constant, it's able. We'll, we have to optimize that, and this is what I'm looking because I think we can use different densities. Uh, they used very basic stuff. So look, at the moment, my role is to make sure that we optimize. We look at different densities of the of the of the pulp, things that will will make the the, the acid consumption, which is actually it's one of the main issues that they will have, much lower. But that's easy. 
Where actually I think they have to focus more is on the pre-concentration. By doing that, they'd be able to double the grade, sometimes even moving more than, uh, than, uh, than uh, 100% higher. And if you are able to do that on an economic basis, actually, I do believe that the initial part of the costing will probably be diluted about 45 or 46%. And then once it's, we know that it leaches extremely well, and then we have the problem with the impurity removals. They have a very, initially I thought that it works against them, but then part of our experience is to understand the brines in South America. Bolivia, for example, which probably people see the largest concentration of lithium anywhere in the world, but they have serious problems because the potassium magnesium ratios to lithium and the other elements from the first group are completely against them. So Bolivia will produce definitely lithium, but they have this problem with magnesium and the high ratio of potassium that will always make them to be much more complicated. They will produce lithium, but the, then you have to purify it. You have to refine it. You have to move from these people call technical grade, whatever that technical grade is, into battery grade. What do you do with a commodity that you cannot sell? So you find out that actually the refining, it's actually much more expensive than producing the main asset. So because we had that experience, we looked at Tonopah with the Bolivian and we know what to do about removing those things. So I'm already engaged with some of their technical stuff and hopefully we'll be able to have a much better approach towards the impurity. As you know, impurity removal, you have to do it in several steps, you know, step one, step two, step three, then you have evaporation, mechanical filtration. So I do believe strongly that with our experience at Falciani, we'll be able to tackle that one. So if we fix the pre-concentration and we made, they made good strides and hopefully with our help, they will make it even better. And we are able to fix the impurity removal. And I think they are almost 75% on that, on that, on that path, we'll be able to have a very clean uh, concentrate. I cannot tell you what the final number would be like. Definitely would like to stay above 99.5 because if we are able to do that and also depends very much on the side of the impurities, we'll be able to avoid the, uh, to avoid the refining and other uh, purification costs at the end. At the moment, I think they are doing very well. And with our knowledge in terms of optimization and the way how we, we are able to eliminate some of the deleterious elements, against lithium, you know, in our case, it's magnesium, aluminum, and potassium will be able to do it. I see them as we were at the beginning. We also have been very worried about aluminum and after a couple of months became a zero problem. And we've been able to reach a very, very, very high um, uh, final extraction, high in the end 80s. I do believe that will probably be even 89, 90 at Falciani. And probably in two, three months, Matthew will be able to give you a much more qualified uh, answer to that. At the moment, I think we are on the right path. And actually, I'm convinced that actually it will make sense to have this discussion again in two, three months from now. Because your question was, are you doing anything in terms of technical advancement to the project? Or are you just focusing on the, on the, on the deal, on the legalities of the deals? Uh, I think we are doing both. And I think we are doing very well. And I do believe strongly that in two, three months, uh, the new team will probably have very good news to report from, uh, from the TLC project in Ecuador. Beautiful. Lawrence, appreciate that answer. Appreciate all your answers. Um, Simon as well, lovely to see you again, albeit via Zoom. Um, we, I'd love today, that was brilliant. And what I just wanted to see the, sort of the, two, the two 
uh, teams together and try and understand just broadly what's going on. I would love it if you came back and got a bit technical with us, Lawrence. I definitely would. And I would love you to come back on, Simon, and maybe talk about the markets and how you guys are positioning yourselves because you're, you're building something quite substantive there now. Um, I'd like to know more. So I appreciate your time today, gentlemen. And we'll speak soon. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you very much. Great, Thank you, Matthew. Great to see you as well. My pleasure to see you. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.